0: It's football season. Time for the gridiron breakdown. Your host, R.J.
1: When was the last time eighty thousand people showed up to see you doing chemistry experiments, Alan? You play football like Ingeniero played football.
2: Let's get to the breakdown.
0: It's time for the Gridiron Breakdown Show. I'm Jay, and alongside Alan, we're here to get you ready for the top games of Week 10 for college football. We'll also be catching up with our buddy Brian this week to talk about NFL as we're at the halfway point. But first things first, Alan, how's it going? And let's talk a
2: little bit about what went down in Week 9. Well, you know, Jay, it's going very well. Week 9 was an interesting week. It had some highs. It had some lows. Uh, I don't think there was any bigger surprise, though, than Chris Kleiman and company, Um Jumping out to a huge lead, running the ball on Oklahoma and holding on late for a win. Some people say is a controversial call. I think they probably got it right in the end, but a huge win for Kansas State against a five, top five Oklahoma team. Oh, yeah, massive win. Look, we've talked
0: about it before. That's a hard place to play, and anybody in the Big 12 will tell you that. And it's not the first time a team, you know, ranked team's gone in there and gotten snake bit. Uh, it's the First time Oklahoma's lost a game like that in a long time. But, hey, you know, it was their turn. And they played really hard to get back in it. Jalen Hurts did just about everything he could do personally to rewind that game. But you said it, man. K-State's offense just ran all over Alex Grinch's defense. And a big win for the Wildcats out there is that, look, they're getting close to bowl eligibility. And what can you say about Chris Kleiman, man, coming out of North Dakota State, really getting it done on the next level?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's doing a great job in year one after Bill Snyder finally retired again. Um, And, you know, uh, people thought it may take climbing a year or two to kind of get things back. And while they're not, you know, a top 10 team, or I'm not saying they'll be a top 10 team on a continuous basis. They're playing hard. They're playing sound football and they're winning games. They won at Mississippi State, which right now Mississippi State looks like one of the worst coach teams in the country. But uh they beat a really good Oklahoma team. But uh Oklahoma had kind of been begging somebody to beat them. And, Jay, you picked it. Uh, that 11 a.m. kick in the Little Apple there, Bill Snyder, family stadium, tough place to play. They got it done. And, you know, speaking of another first-year coach getting it done, let's talk about what App State is doing. They're undefeated. They're playing good offense, good defense. And, Jay, it really looks like South Carolina is the only obstacle – to an undefeated season
0: for App State. Yeah, and I I don't know how big of an obstacle it really is, honestly. Look, uh, App State, uh, Scott Satterfield built a great program there before moving on to Louisville. He's done good things there. Eli Drinkwitz just picked it right back up, and uh, like you say, they're real fun to watch on offense. They play great defense, and I see no reason why they definitely won't run the table in their conference, and then they might run it all the way. and I think that would be awesome if they did. uh, Certainly pulling for the Mountaineers to get that one done. Uh, we got to talk about the teams that held Serve that we're at the top, man. And to me, the most complete team in America right now, Allen, is Ohio State. What they can do on offense, they can be so multiple. They can be a power run team. They can be a spread, throw it all over the field team. Uh, Justin Fields is playing so smart, taking what's given him. And their defense, man, led by Chase Young, what an outstanding defensive player and a defensive unit. They put the absolute clamps on Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor couldn't do anything on the ground. Jack Cohn couldn't get any time to throw the ball. And And it just took a little time for that Ohio State offense to finally kick into gear and wear out that Wisconsin defense. That was an impressive win by the Buckeyes.
2: It it really was. I mean, it was a much wider margin than I really thought. And Ohio State's playing good football. At this point, it looks like you're going to have to be a really complete team, but you're going to have to be dynamic on Ohio State. You're going to have to get some big plays to put them in some bad spots to really have a chance And on the other end of the spectrum, Jay, you know, we saw LSU slowly strangle the life out of Auburn. Uh, Auburn's defense did everything possible to win that game, but the offense kept putting them in bad situations, and eventually they had just been on the field too long. And uh, LSU got a big win. Um, uh, You know, the the story to me, though, is just how incoherent Auburn's offense was and how that just handicapped them. If they would have had any game plan whatsoever, Um, Alvin really should have won that game, Jay.
0: You could say that about both the LSU and the Florida games. If Auburn's offense had had any semblance of a plan or something that was going to work and and could get working for them, they could have won both games. But I mean, for them, man, it starts up front. The offensive line just isn't that good. They don't push people out of the way. They can't establish that run game and for Auburn's offense, that's everything. And that you know doesn't let Bo Nix get in any kind of rhythm. And he's a freshman. He's going to make a lot of mistakes and they just put too much on him. Give it up to Joe Burrow and his guys for just hanging in there, taking a beating the whole night and and really getting it done, and look, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, their running back, who's not as heralded as maybe he should be, he had 140 yards on the ground, caught a bunch of balls through the air, too. That guy's a real balanced uh, a player, and let's just say it, man. LSU is running the New Orleans Saints offense. That's what Joe Brady came in there to install. I'm not saying they're as good as the Saints, but they're running that same scheme, and you know they throw the ball to everybody, they run it to a lot of different guys, and uh, give it up to to him and Steve Insminger, and really Coach Orgeron for you know letting that happen and those guys and going and executing it. And thought it was real cool the way Coach O went and found the Auburn defensive lineman at the end of the game, and you know patted them on the shoulder, told them how good he thought they were and how hard they played. It's a class, dude, and and I appreciated that move as an Auburn fan. But yeah, I mean LSU went and got it done, and and that's what matters. We gotta give tips to your team too, Alan. I mean, going without their start running back, it is just Arkansas. But Mac Jones went in there and looked like uh, uh, you know another guy that used to wear number ten, AJ McCarron for Alabama. Real efficient night, ran the ball well, defense played great, and Alabama smoked Arkansas just like they were supposed to.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, the big thing is Matt Jones, they didn't ask him to do too much. His goal was get the ball to these receivers, let them make a play. Don't You don't have to be Superman. And the defense played better. Uh, they've held Kentucky, uh, Tennessee and Arkansas under 270 yards, which I know it's Tennessee and Arkansas, but that's an improvement for an Alabama defense that really had been giving up some yards and, and some chunks. And, you know, on the other hand, Jay, I do have to uh, tip my hat to myself on uh My danger zone striking home and Chip Kelly and boys getting a big win over our buddy Herm Edwards out in uh, Los Angeles on uh, Saturday night.
0: Oh, absolutely, man! Chip really got it going on, and and took out Herm. And you're at four and six in the danger zone now, Alan. So I'm I'm making a deal with you. I'm not going to play the Kenny Loggins music anymore until you lose another game. Because when I stopped throwing that clip in, you started picking them right again in the danger zone. So that's going to be the new deal. Where people know what it is now. We're going to go with it. Speaking of picks, I mean, look, I went out on the limb. A lot of upsets last week. Only one of them came to fruition. Went five and six on the week. I'm at 63 and 38 on the year. You went seven and four. So you took a couple on the chin too, but you're 71 and 30 on the year. So some good picks going on uh, from you there and some, uh, well, some not so good picks. But I mean, look, I-, I told you I was going out on a limb last week picking a lot of
2: upsets and only one of them really happened. Well, there were some tough games to pick some, uh, games that really didn't go the way I thought they would go. And you know, we, we have to mention this, those SMU Mustangs, man. They keep it rolling. They stay undefeated. Um, they're playing some good ball down there in Dallas. They may be another group of five teams that ends up undefeated.
0: They totally might, and that's a great segue to just go right into our featured games. We're talking about SMU at Memphis. Yes, I just said that on this show. I think this is going to be a fascinating game, Alan. I mean, you start looking at these two teams – Early in the season, I would have told you Memphis was a defensive team that ran the ball well. Now I would tell you Memphis is a team that runs the ball well. Their defense hasn't been that great the last few weeks. They've given up a lot of yards, and a lot of points to teams. The, you know they're definitely going to have to button that up this week if they're going to do anything with what Shane Bichelle, Xavier Jones is running back, and that cadre of wide receivers is doing on offense right now. Look, you know Robertson may be out. They're you know kind of being catty about whether or not he's going to play or not. But they got three or four other guys behind him. It's SMU. They can all do damage catching the ball. They're averaging 300 yards in the air, 200 on the ground. That's really balanced for an air raid team. I mean, when's the last time you heard about an air raid team that ran the ball, right? But, you know, what Brett Lashley and Sonny Dykes are doing out there uh, is is fantastic. The the real trick for SMU, man, is they give up points, too. Like, they will let you throw it on them. Not, not many teams run on them because I think teams are down to them so much, so they just you know, let them throw a lot. Uh, but, you know, Houston moved the ball on them and scored. Temple scored on them. Tulsa, who is terrible scored you know points on them. USF even had offense against them. Uh so SMU's got to button up their own defense. I mean they they're not doing great stuff. They're they're giving up 27 points a game against 43 that they're they're scoring. And on the other hand, Memphis, they're giving up about 23 points a game, scoring almost 40 themselves, but they get it done on the ground, man. Have you ever seen a running back as exciting as Kenneth Gainwell? What that dude does with the ball in his hands, he's not only their leading rusher, Allen. He's their second leading receiver only by like a a few yards. Like They wing him out all over the place. Blair White does a good job protecting the football. Only four picks on the year against 20 touchdowns. I think we're going to see some offensive fireworks in this one, man. I I don't think the defenses are really going to have much to say about how it goes down between SMU and Memphis. Here's why I'm going to pick the Memphis Tigers to win this game, though. At home, man, they are so tough to play. They really can clamp down in the red zone. They may give up a lot of yards to you, but they'll shut you down when you get into striking distance. And the fact that they can run the ball, give me the home team that can run, that can protect their own goal line. I like Memphis in this one, 34-31 to 31
2: over SMU. Well, Jay, it's going to be a cold day at the Liberty Bowl, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be, have some offensive fireworks. I will say this, Jay, I'm riding with the Mustangs. I love what they're doing offensively. I will take SMU to win this game 38 to 31.
0: All right. So we disagree on the first featured game. I've got Memphis. You've got SMU, but we both like it kind of close. Let's go to the other featured game of the week. The game formerly known as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Florida and Georgia, hooking it up in Jacksonville.
2: Yeah, Jay, we're going to go to the banks of the St. John's River, and this is still the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. You can ask anybody who goes to this game. It is just a wild scene outside the Gator Bowl there in Jacksonville. You know, both teams had the week off to prepare and get healthy. Uh, it's uh, Florida found out they were going to get both starting defensive ends back, Greenard and Zuniga, as well as uh, wide receiver Kendarius T- Tony. Um This is a huge boost for the Florida defense. Florida's been one of the best teams in the country at pressuring the quarterback. And we saw in the LSU game, without those two defensive ends, they really struggled to pressure Burrow and allowed him a clean pocket. He really just picked him apart. The the defense has only given up 15 points a game. They only allow third down conversions 34% of the times. And listen to this, Jay. Florida has forced 18 turnovers. They've really eliminated their, their opponents outside of that LSU game as far as scoring. Um, but the defense will look to bounce back against a Georgia offense that's really been struggling. And, and let's be honest, Jay, this offense for Georgia has been a disappointment. We thought coming into the year they would be a great offensive line and run the ball and Fromm would progress. Um, but they really just haven't been special. They struggled to get points against lesser teams. They only scored 17 against South Carolina. They only scored 21 against Kentucky. Now I know that game was played you know, in a monsoon. Uh, but they really haven't looked overly impressive in, in any of their games. Their receivers struggle to get open. And while the running game has been strong, without the threat of that deep pass, it allows teams to come up, crowd the box, and, and play one on one coverage on the outside, which that is Florida's game, Jay. And the Florida offense has been a real pleasant surprise. When Franks went down, nobody knew what had happened. Trask has come in, he's thrown 14 TDs, only four picks. And they don't have a good running game, Jay, though, but they stick to it. They're committed to running the ball, just so you know, know that they're running the ball. And p Ron really has the ability to, to take one the distance. He's gotten a couple of long runs, one against Auburn, one against LSU. And the big thing is getting Kandarius Toney back. That, that should really give that offense a boost. Uh, he is a playmaker on the outside. Uh, you know, they're going up against a Georgia defense that has been really good. They've been as we expected. Uh, they're holding teams at 266 yards a game and only 10 points. That defense has played up the expectations, Jay, but they've only forced nine turnovers, and they're not real great at, at rushing the passer either. This game should be exciting, Jay. I think it's going to be a real defensive struggle. This is a real tough game to pick. Um, I'm going to take the team that's had the tougher schedule and enforces more turnovers. Give me the Gators, 27-21.
0: So you like the Gators, 27-21. I think you broke it down the game in a great way. But I'm going to tell you why I disagree with you, my friend. That defense that Georgia has – Is still really, really good. And the fact that Florida is so inconsistent with their run game, I think they're going to get after Kyle Trask. They're going to force that mistake, kind of like the way LSU did. And I think it's going to give their offense enough time to do what they need to do, run the football with DeAndre Swift and Brian and behind that powerful line. Ask Jake Fromm to do what Jake Fromm does. Manage the game and be smart. He's good at doing that. I think he's going to get the chance in this one. I like Georgia in this one, my friend. I'm going to take the Bulldogs 24, Florida 20 in the cocktail party. So I've got Georgia. You've got Florida in the second featured game. Well, it's time to talk to our friend Brian here as we're at the midway point of the NFL season. And Brian? man uh, th- there's playoff races starting to shape up at this point. there
1: really are, and there's some surprises and some not so surprising things that are happening but um you know you look at some of these teams and you just know that the division is theirs to go i mean look at let's look at like the a f c north right what is happening to that division like Baltimore is the only team with a winning record in that division,
0: <laughs> which is amazing
1: <laughs> uh, that that's just sad like it's it's become. Almost comparable to the, to what I would call the, uh, the NFC East division, where you might have two teams that are good, but the rest is trash. Well, this is
0: the, this is the opposite. You got one team that's good and the rest are trash. I mean, look at it. Big Ben's gone for the season. So Pittsburgh's reeling from that. Andy Dalton just got benched after eight straight losses and nine years of starting on his birthday, by the way. That's the most Cincinnati <laughs> thing ever. Yeah, and <laughs> Baker Mayfield and Cleveland are imploding. Who's surprised about that? I mean, no. Lamar Jackson looks great and compared to the that group, yeah, I mean, there's no way he can't. And that defense is great in Baltimore war again so they they have run away with the afc north you're right which is a surprise i thought it'd be a little more competitive but not at all you would think yeah and the other big surprise i think right
1: now is the new england patriots not that they're eight and zero, but look at the points they've allowed 61 points allowed that tops the next closest team by you know half um, yeah. Well, I guess San Francisco is at 77, so they're the next closest team, but everyone else is like 120 or more. And, and you know, this is a team with a defense that usually is kind of middle of the road. So I don't know what they're doing there. They get rid of Matt Patricia, and all of a sudden, boom. <laughs>
0: They're on well, fire on defense. Th- they have built that defense from the back end forward. They don't really have the pass rush and all that kind of stuff, but their DBs are outstanding. Their linebackers are playing amazing. And, you know, th- their offense is so great too, that nobody can really get anything going against them, but you can't do anything to them. You can't run on them, can't throw on them. There's nothing. I'll tell you the surprise team for me though, in the AFC East, man, is the Buffalo Bills. They're five and two. I would have told you yeah. they could win five games this year.
1: Now, nah, see I, that doesn't surprise me at all because if you look at the at the back at the history, Buffalo seems to always start off hot and then just die, right? Now, last year was different and and, and whatnot, but if you look at previous years, they usually go three, four, and zero before they start to the downward trend. So, having them be five and two, it's a little bit of a surprise. But if you look at that division. It's not too much of a shock there. Yeah. They're two and one in their division, and the only team they lost to is the is the Patriots. Right. So, uh, you know, two wins right there, and I mean against yeah. the Jets and the Dolphins that those are like almost give me matches at this point for any team except for the Bengals, maybe. Um, <laughs> and then you know they're they're three and zero on the road. I think that's probably the biggest shocker right there. three and zero on the road. That's pretty. Pretty awesome, and that, that's hard to do in the NFL.
0: No no, they're doing really good on the road. Like you said, the Jets are awful. Miami as we already know is tanking, so they are 0 and 7 and they're maintaining. Miami and Cincinnati are heading toward the tank for Tua Bowl in November. Uh and and that's going to be an unwatchable football game, which means it'll probably be the Monday Night Football game the way those things have been <laughs> scheduled. The AFC South man, we thought that might be a competitive division. No kidding, Jack. Indianapolis. Man, you know, my hat's off already Potential coach of the year, Frank Reich loses Andrew Luck to retirement in the beginning of the season. Jacoby Brissett's guided him to a five and two record. Houston's five and three. Deshaun Watson is absolutely balling out like crazy. Jacksonville is four and four after losing Nick Foles. The Gardner Minshew magic is working. And I mean, who's surprised Tennessee's four and four? I mean, like we should just be the Tennessee infinity symbol because eight and eight is in our blood. (laughs)
1: it's it's true um yeah, this is the probably the most competitive of the divisions um out there but uh you know the colts my i mean they're not they're not blowing anyone away by any means but they're winning games and they're winning them barely but they're still winning they they got a 7 point net uh for points for versus points against so it's not like they're defense is pulling through. And, you know, Brissette has played remarkably well. Um, And, yeah, you know, it's kind of a surprise to me. I I think we both thought had high expectations for Indianapolis, but that was before Luck uh, decided to not play anymore. Um, And so this is a, a pleasant surprise, and I agree with you. You know, Frank he has got these guys just playing out of their minds. Uh, we'll see if it can keep up, though. That, that's the big thing. Can they keep it going? Like I said, it's only a seven-point positive differential in points. So they need to start scoring a little more and holding people back if they want to maintain that top spot right now
0: absolutely and i mean you know houston loses jj watt now for the season with the torn pec and all i thought of when i saw that was like man you need to call triple h's doctors or whatever cuz he seems to get one of those like every you know 6 months and then he's back at wrestlemania yeah. so but yeah J- J- i'm not a big fan of jj watt i just don't really care for the dude but the dude's an amazing player i would never deny that and so he's a huge loss uh, for houston so we'll see how the south works out out west man uh, kansas city is 5 and 3 and they they're struggling a little bit without Mahomes. Not as much as I thought they would. They put up a good fight against Green Bay the other night, but they definitely need to get him back. But how about this, man? The Oakland Raiders are in second (laughs) place at 3-4. and And, I mean, if you've seen them play, I don't know how that is. They're not really
1: good. We talked about the Colts having a positive seven-point net differential. The Oakland Raiders have a negative 41-point differential. So, I mean, gosh, how they're three and four. I mean, three and four is not good, right? Let's, let's not no. kid ourselves. That's not great. But the fact that they're winning games and, and uh, in second place in that division, it, to me, that tells you how bad the Chargers have been. <laughs> Man, they have been. Oh, they've it, been Horrible. It's been uh, bad. Now they got a big win this last week, so that might be a, a something that they can build upon. But uh, they've been a huge they, disappointment. The Broncos—I'm not shocked at all at where they're at. Uh, and Flacco, they Flacco to me was now. not they, the answer. Yeah. yeah,
0: they're moving on with him, and so shocking. Yeah, right. And anybody Oh, well, he throws the whole team under the bus, and then goodbye. You know, that's the end of that. Yeah. Uh, no, the Chargers, man. Again, that's another team that I just feel like. Struggles to be 500 all the time for, I mean, against all odds, they've got, they're loaded with players on both sides of the field, but they have to wait for Chicago to miss another field goal to, you know, win the game in Soldier Field. So, I mean, I guess you take them as you can get them, dude, but that, uh, it's not pretty going on in LA and, uh, they're having trouble. We'll get to the other LA team in a minute, but I want to, I want to do this real quick in the AFC because we kind of ran through the divisions and how everybody's stacking up and, and everything coaches you think might be on the hot seat in the AFC may not make it to the end of the season.
1: Man, it's hard to say. I mean, based on record, I don't think you can go on that. And, you know, I know a lot of teams will. But you look at the coaching staffs and all that stuff and everything that's around there, the New York Jets, Adam Gase, I, I can't I just can't see them pulling the plug on one year uh, before he can get his team kind of situated. Now we've talked offline about this and the fact that for some reason Gase just wants nothing to do with Le'Veon Bell um, which blows my mind, but that just goes to show that a coach has his system, and when a player doesn't fit in his system, and he's forced upon you, they they kind of don't like that. Well, no, I mean, um, they,
0: and they were doing everything they could to try to trade him, and they just couldn't get it done before the trade de- deadline. And the GM who you know, paid Bell all that money is already gone, so I expect yeah. on Bell to move at the end of the season. Gase uses him less and less. Uh, that's yeah. just not something that's going to work, but. Uh, you
1: know, yeah, so I don't see him getting fired, even though his record would indicate that he's probably a prime candidate for, for getting fired. I, I don't see them doing that. I think Mike Tomlin might be on the hot seat this year. And I know Pittsburgh doesn't tend to fire coaches very often, but when you look at his body of work, he came out on fire at the beginning and then just kind of has been mediocre ever since, right? Um, he, in the last several years, it's just been kind of downhill. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, Ben's getting older, can't rely on him as much. Now, this year, obviously, he's out for the season, so that kind of hurts them as well. But even before Ben got injured, they weren't looking very hot at all. And so I think Tomlin has the most chance in the AFC of getting fired right now of anyone. Um, I think that any other team who's really hurting right now, if you look at the Cleveland Browns and Freddie Kitchens, I think it'd be a shame if they let him go right away. They, they just haven't figured out that you can't go and fire people one year into a program and expect to win the next year. And so I think they need to let this guy get his team going. You've got a lot of new players on that team who uh, need to gel. And I think that's all it really is, is they need to gel with each other, and they just haven't gotten there yet. So I don't I, know. if I can't see him getting fired either. It would be a shame if Cleveland did that.
0: I don't disagree with you, but knowing how Jimmy Haslam operates, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Because this team looks undisciplined, it looks weird, and they've got so much talent that there's no reason it should be that disorganized. And the truth is they should have never handed it to the dude to begin with. He had never True. even been an O.C., and I mean, yeah. look, it, you you need to be able to work up the ladder in the NFL or in coaching, and he had never had to do it, and he sold himself as "I'm the guy that can coach Baker Mayfield," and that was probably true, which is why he should have been the offensive coordinator full time, <laughs> and they got a head coach that could CEO the team because that's what yeah. you do in the NFL, and and they're just a. Uh, And the thing is, man, they should not be a mess because again, they are loaded with young talent on defense and offense, but defensively, they just they get run off the field. And I don't think Freddie can get them lined up just right. I mean, I like the dude, but I think he might actually get fired. I thought for a little while Brian Flores might be in trouble in Miami till I realized he was in on it too and is in on the taking. So no, he's (laughs) he's 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 fine. Um I I can't
1: see them firing Flores either. I mean, I just think that they're gonna let him build the team the way he wants. Um I think the players really actually like him even though they're they're really not doing very well so i don't think they're gonna fire him either um <laughs> maybe if he goes on 16 but maybe that's what they want so like you think uh, I mean, they're they're you tanking have, for two
0: you could have two afc teams so it's 16 this year well i guess not since miami and cincinnati do play each other so one of them has to be, they, they could tie well, they could tie they could tie brian <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. So well, let's move over to the NFC and let's start with the NFC East. Dallas is somehow still ahead in that division, four and three, though, you know, they, they started off like gangbusters and then they kind of fizzled a little bit and they got a win. And I, you know, they're, they're so up and down. They're hard to tell. Philadelphia is four and four and that's the ugliest four and four I've seen, man. Like they are so. Weird and Carson mm-hmm. Wentz plays so up and down and their defense plays so up and down. You don't know what you're going to get out of them. The Giants are bad, but we knew they were going to be. And Washington's already so bad. They've already fired Jay Gruden. So, I mean, that's, that's dysfunction <laughs> that didn't take junction long, over it? there. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, uh,
1: Dallas is Dallas. You know, they they seem like they're gonna be a good team, and then they just prove that they're just they're just your standard team anyway. And that division, um, like we I mentioned earlier, there usually is one, maybe two teams that are on top there, but they're not always good. Um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they usually have what a nine and seven winning team or a yeah, ten I mean, and six, m- maybe so ten
0: and six. Yeah, so yeah, you, they're usually not, a pretty they're not even a strong division, division, but yeah.
1: Yeah, so I I don't look for much more out of that either. I think you're going to see Dallas and Philadelphia fighting for that top seed in that division and neither one should make a wild card if uh they don't win the division. So, yeah. I have to put my money on Philly though. Um I just believe in their talent more than I do the Cowboys that Philadelphia does need to get Zachary involved in that game though. Yeah. And cuz they haven't used him at all.
0: Yeah, well, they started to this last week. They started to get him back in, and I agree with you. He and Dallas Goddard have got to be the things that, that Wentz can rely on in the passing game. They've got something to go with the run game again. Their defense has just got to play better, dude. I mean, yeah, that's part of the problem. Felt, they, they don't uh, stop anybody. Yeah. And so, and they're not built to score, you know, 45 points a game.
1: You're right. No, nope, Absolutely. And they, and we talked net point differential. They have a plus three right now. A plus three. That's terrible.
0: Yeah. That's why. The NFC North, man, this is pretty cool. Green Bay is seven and one and they are playing lights out football, man. Just some of the best stuff you've seen. And it's a different look. You know, it's not all Aaron Rodgers making killer throws, which I mean, he had a great one against Kansas City in the eighth game. But it, they're running the ball really well in Green Bay. And quietly, that defense got good, man. They started picking people off and stopping people and you can't score on them like you used to. Uh, Green Bay's got one of the better defenses, man. And uh, only to be rivaled by the Minnesota Vikings who are right on their heels. That and two and if you just like paid attention to vikings twitter you would think they were two and six but they they put together <laughs> six wins
1: yeah so green bay has a couple things going from their defense is better i wouldn't say it's great uh their point differential is, is plus 52 which is a good point differential however i i i'm not going to say they're a great defense they're doing better than their normal the normal green bay defense i will give them that for sure um uh the running back is really the reason that they're doing it. Aaron Jones,
0: yeah, he's Jones. Been great. Thank
1: you. Yeah. I knew it was Aaron. I kept wanting to say Aaron Rodgers, but <laughs> Aaron Jones has been uh, what they needed. They tried so many different people at so so many different years to try and find that one running back to get them where they need to be to take some of that load off of Aaron Rodgers. And because of that, Aaron Rodgers has been just on fire. Because he has a running game now, they can do play-action pass. They can do all sorts of stuff that before nobody thought anyone was going to run in Green Bay anyway. So they just go right after Aaron Rodgers every time, and that guy would be he'd be on his butt so many times it wasn't even funny. So this year they have a running back who has done very well for them, and that takes the pressure off Aaron Rodgers to win games, like we saw this past week against Kansas City. You know, Aaron Rodgers won that game for Kansas for Green Bay Packers. Uh, in a game that you know matt moore was trying very hard to upset him (laughs) and he almost did but uh you know that's what green Bay's got going right now and um they're playing really good football and uh, the vikings are playing outstanding football they had a real rough start uh to the season and like you said the vikings twitter was messed up with people wanting kirk cousins head on a platter um but after, you know, the whole big blow up between Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, and Kirk Cousins happened, uh, all of a sudden, they're on fire. You know, Adam Thielen had uh, like 150 yards and three touchdowns the next game. And then he got hurt, and Stefan Diggs stepped up and had 150 yards and a couple scores. And then two, ga- two straight games, I think he's topped over 150 yards and two scores. Uh, so uh, they're playing amazing football. And now some people are saying, well, the whole idea was to establish their run, which Dalvin Cook, I believe, is the number one running back in the league right now. Uh, So he's definitely done that. Um, and then start bringing in the pass. And I think that's done wonders for Kirk Cousins because, as we know, watching Kirk Cousins' career is that he needs that running back to do well for him to be open to make plays because he can't make them on his own. I, I truly believe he's not the type of quarterback an Aaron Rodgers is where he can make the plays on his own. Kirk needs another aspect of the game to distract the defense so that he can make the plays he needs to make. So, they're doing that right now, and of course, the I defense is, is one of the best in the league, and they're week in and week out helping them in that ga- uh, win games. Uh, so if they can keep that up, uh, it's going to be real fun to watch this season come down to the end where Green Bay and Minnesota might be facing each other late in the season for that division.
0: They, they very well may be, you know, Minnesota right now is one and two in the division. Green Bay's undefeated, but that can all change this back half of the season. Detroit's three three and one, and it just looks like the same old Detroit. Like does really interesting things, but can't get out of its own way. Defensively, they're still a mess. Offensively, they're a little inconsistent. They lost Carryon Johnson. They're running back for a little while now. That's hurt them because he was a big part of what they were doing on offense. The Chicago Bears. Man, they're just ugly. That's all I can say. They're three and four and they're winning games in spite of Mitch Trubisky and he just can't get them in position. They don't have the powerhouse running game like they need to be able to, to push ahead against people. They're not even trying with the running That's game. the thing. They're not even trying to run it. They've got running backs. They had David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen are both good backs. They're not trying because mm-hmm. I don't think they trust their offensive line. And defensively, they just they, they just get worn out late in games. They can't get it done. And, I mean, kicking woes, that's just synonymous with Chicago at this point. Like, if I'm them, I'm like, why kick anymore? Just just go for it. Uh, I, and I think yeah, the reason they don't yeah. is because Trubisky ain't going to get you that first down. He just can't.
1: exactly. Well, you I mean if you watched the game this past week, they were in the red zone four straight times, and oh, yeah. they couldn't they oh, yeah. they couldn't walk away with points. I mean, it was kick, kick, and kick. They couldn't get in the end zone. And we're talking not just the red zone, one yard line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> they, they were on in the door.
0: If you can't get three feet on somebody, hang oh, it up, Jack.
1: It was terrible. <laughs> it was bad. terrible.
0: Uh, you know, the Chicago
1: Bears are what I told you they were going to be. Uh, the, this is what they should have been last year and why I said last year was a fluke. Um it, They're just not that good. And uh, as good as their defense plays, if you can't score points on offense, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. Uh, You look at that, they've only given up 122 points this year, but they've only scored 128.
0: That's awful. Awful. I mean, their defense is on the field entirely too much. And anybody will tell you, no matter how loaded your defense is, particularly in the NFL because you've got a limited roster, dudes are going to get worn out they they are going to get tired and especially the way the league is now you got so many teams that stretch you all over the field and that's what happens they get tired late in games and they can't finish a game and and then their offense can't go and get that Point back for them uh, after they've got a team off the field. It's it's really weird to see, and and that's weird yeah. because Matt Nagy's a good offensive coordinator, and and so is Mark Elfrick. They they know what they're doing. I just don't think they got the trigger man right, and they don't have that offensive line right, and that's key to everything, man. You've talked about this offline with me a lot, man. If the line ain't good, it don't matter how good everybody else is, and exactly. they, they can't do it. And and something I'm seeing, and, and we'll talk about San Francisco here in a minute, but I'm really seeing it out of them and, and Shanahan and what Seattle's doing with. Schottenheimer and stuff too, you're seeing a lot more of the the old West Coast offense come back where you've got like base personnel like fullbacks and double tight ends and stuff, but then they spread them out over the field, but then they bunch them back down. You're not seeing like actual true 4 and 5 wide receiver sets out of teams anymore. You're seeing four spread, but it's the base personnel. And stuff you're seeing a lot more of that stuff and that's because, you know, the smart teams have built a good line and then they can deploy their players wherever they want to, and Chicago's just not built that way. And it's hard to do. I mean, we've
1: we've we've struggled in Minnesota to build an offensive line for years and we still don't have a good offensive line. We have a better offensive line than we've had for a while, but it's not great. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do not just with the personnel, but with the coaching staff. I will to this day tell you that two years ago when Minnesota was one of the top teams and made it to the NFC championship against the Eagles, they had stellar play from their offensive line. And that was everything to do with Tony Sperano because that same exact offensive line came back the next year and stunk the house down, you know? So uh, you can, f- you got to find the right coach to get those players to play to their ability and that's the hard part just finding someone who's willing to do that because if they're good at it yeah. they're going to get picked up somewhere else and moved up in the in the in the, the field of uh, coaching. So,
0: yeah. Well, that's new to the NFC South, man. The New Orleans Saints, 7 and 1. And who would have thought that was possible after losing Drew Brees for four oh, weeks? I but steady Teddy comes in. Teddy Bridgewater wins them four straight games. And you talk about a team, again, that's built from the inside out. Their offensive line is tremendous. They've got great running backs. Latavius Murray is a great addition to their backfield. Receivers all over the place. And you got two trigger men that can throw the ball. I mean, it wasn't like when Teddy came. In that they just became three yards in a cloud of dust. They flung the ball all over the field. And New Orleans is exactly what I thought they would be. Odds on favorite to be in the Super Bowl. I think they're heading straight for it again in the NFC. They look unstoppable. Their defense is giving up some points. They're kind of leaky, but they score so many points, man. That I mean, it's forcing teams to just throw it all the time on them. And that's always going to generate more yardage and points against you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'm a huge Teddy Bridgewater fan. I wish that the Vikings never had given up on him. I understand their concerns with the injury that he had, but uh, he was good to go. New Orleans saw it; they picked him up. It was a brilliant move, and he came in there. All they wanted him to do was go two and two, and he won four four games for him. Uh, that's because Teddy's that good. I mean, he, he's a good player, and I don't I wouldn't be surprised if he wins himself a starting job somewhere in the near future um, because I think he's shown. Everyone that he can still play this game, and that his knee is not something to, to really worry about going forward. Now, as far as you know, odds on favor of the Super Bowl, sure, but uh, karma is a bitch, and uh, New Orleans will not get there. Uh, Carolina Panthers, uh, the second place in this division. No Cam Newton. Now, is there word you you're close to the situation? Is there word that Cam Newton's going to be back soon and get the job back, or are they going to really try and stick with this other gentleman?
0: Well, Kyle Allen's played okay. They went out to San Francisco and got thumped, so that you know that that wasn't good That's San Francisco, I, though. Yeah, I wouldn't lay all of that on the offense, honestly. I mean, the offense did not play well, but the defense played horrid, so that that's part of the problem. The word here is that they're not going to rush Cam back. They're going to you know, bring him back when he's ready, and when he's ready, they will play him again, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's having an outstanding season. I mean, if you weren't on such a mediocre team, we're talking MVP talk, and he may even yeah. still be in that talk. Uh, the thing is, is that the offensive line's still not that great. They don't have a real threat at wide receiver, and defensively, they're okay. They just don't have a great pass rusher anymore they got Keekly and they got some good DBs but they just don't have that that lockdown that super lockdown corner or that great elite pass rusher so Carolina looks like a team that at best might do nine and seven I think a lot of what they bring Cam back for is going to depend on you know how healthy he is or isn't he's in a contract year nobody around here at least in the Charlotte area thinks he's going to be back next year so sure. you know at some point he's playing for what his future might be they didn't trade him at the trade deadline um in spite of a lot of rumors that they might you know, try to shop it's him. hard to
1: it's you hard know. to when someone's injured though it would it,
0: it would have been it hard really to is. do but you know as apparently his rehab is going well so yes the word is they are going to bring him back and then play defensively again they're, they're just giving up too many points last week hurt that a lot because they gave up 51 uh but you know the they're just inconsistent. I mean, again, Carolina reminds me of a lot of the Titans, except the offense is sometimes more exciting. Um, Tampa Bay is horrible, and no one is surprised by that. They were horrible when Bruce mm-hmm. Arians took them over. Jameis Winston is still a turnover machine and is working his way right out of the <laughs> NFL. Um, so there's that. And that, as much as Bruce Arians is trying to keep him in it, I mean, goodness. he is trying, and poor Bruce is doing everything he can, but there's only, there's only so much that man can do. Um, here's the thing: as of this recording, Dan Quinn is still the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. That that may not be true by the time we release this episode, Brian. Oh my, I, they are one in seven, yeah. and they are a horrible one in seven, giving up two hundred and fifty points so far on defense. He's a defensive specialist. They're terrible. The offense is fine. They're dead. I mean, if they could just absolutely stop anybody, they might win a few <laughs> games. But they are horrible. And it, and Atlanta, it it looks like it's going to be a bad bad year down there.
1: Well, they just got rid of Matt Bryant, their kicker. Um, just today, uh, when we, as we record this, and signed some guy I'd never heard of. Uh, so that's awesome. Um, but yeah, the, that's the shocker of the year. I think is that Falcons just fell off the face of the earth. They have a negative 85 point differential.
0: Well, moreover, Brian, they're 0 bad. and 4 away from home. They're not any good at home either. They've only won one game. They one are 0 game. and 4. They can't go anywhere. And so that means you're lining up for probably four more hard losses. And Then who knows yeah. what will happen
1: it's not good looking good in Atlanta. I can see a fire sale going on there at yeah. the end of this year. And well, I mean, they, uh, maybe, maybe
0: it's a new, so they already dumped one good wide receiver. That's,
1: that so. was, yeah, we can talk about that when we get to trades. Cause uh, that was a good one for uh, the Patriots. Wow. But um, yeah, Atlanta's probably this. I think I, pick them at the beginning of the year to win this division. Wow. Ouch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll revisit those, those picks at the end of the year. Hold, hold on to that. Cause going to all change. Weird stuff happens. I honestly, though, I mean, you talking about hot seats and we're a little ahead on this, but i I think Dak Wynn's done in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. He's had plenty of time to prove himself. He blew out both coordinators last year and this isn't working. So he may make it to the end of the season. I, I joke about that, but I, I don't know. It's just not good uh, either way. Uh, NFC West, I mean, what can you say? The San Francisco 49ers, and now, yes, they beat up on some really bad teams for a little while, but they also have, have thumped, you know, a decent team or two now, and they look good doing it, man. Uh, the thing with them is their offense is super efficient. They run the ball. Uh, they throw it when they have to. Garoppolo's look good. They went and got him an ace wide receiver now, pulling Emmanuel Sanders out of Denver. So that's going to be huge. He's already got George Kittle. They got great running backs in Breida and Coleman out there their defense though dude led by Nick Bosa they're giving up nothing to nobody you cannot score on these guys and they that is a surprise to me I thought they would be better I did not think they would be 7 and no good at this point yeah, no, I think that's
1: a surprise to me, too. I I mean, I liked San Francisco going into this year. I did not expect them to be uh, as good as they are. You talk about point differential, they're a plus 130. They have the second-best defense, as far as points allowed, goes in the NFL behind only the New England Patriots. Uh, just outstanding football. Jimmy Garoppolo is showing that uh he should have been probably the heir apparent to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady just didn't want to retire, and well probably won't for another couple years so for him it was a good thing to move on san francisco got a killer killer quarterback out of of that trade and so uh just really good all around san francisco looks great clc hawks looking absolutely fantastic as well uh they should be in in the lead in this division but they unfortunately lost two games early and have been working their way back since the rams man uh I don't know what to make of the Rams. They're either good or they suck. Yeah.
0: Very inconsistent. It's, That's what I was thinking. Oh, my say. gosh. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's Super Bowl hangover a real thing, especially for the team that loses it. I mean, just ask Atlanta. Look where they are now. And uh, – I I thought coming in like yeah there's going to be a little bit of a hangover for this team. I didn't know it'd be this much of one. I mean they're still 5 and 3, so they're not dead out of it yet. And oddly enough they're better away than they are at home. They're 3 and 1 away away this year. They're usually a much better team at home. The offense just hasn't been as explosive and I only chalk that up Brian to when you've got an offense that everybody's just woo-ha about it. You give defensive coordinators around the league in off season and then all of a sudden that offense ain't so They'll good. Anymore, it out. Yep. You know, and so it's just the cycle and McVay's a smart dude. They're figuring some stuff out. Uh, they're finally getting Todd Gurley going again. I want to go back well, to Seattle for yeah. they are on and off but I want to go back to Seattle for just a second though because they found a run game again in Chris Carson. Russell Wilson is playing some of the best football he's ever played. Uh definitely M V P talk for him. Uh, but those are three legit teams out west but I'm gonna say this right now. The Air Arizona Cardinals are three, four, and one, so they're not good. But they are doing a whole lot more than I thought they would under Cliff Kingsbury in year one. I mean, defensively, they got a long way to go, and they know they do. But Kyler Murray has shown proof of concept that he is not just some flash. Like he can run that offense; he's doing pretty good stuff with it. They made a great trade to get Kenyon Drake out of Miami uh, to you know, he could be a great back in a lot of you know, three situations for him. Larry Pitts is still an unbelievable receiver. They got to put some more pieces around. It, but that's working a lot better than I thought it would. If you'd have told me there's going to be two teams with no wins at the halfway mark, and I said, "Well, one of them's Arizona," um, and <laughs> the, nope, uh, they, they've got th- you know three, and they could have four. That tie was real close. I mean, they came back and had a shot at that one with Detroit.
1: Yeah, I I like what they're doing there. I'm curious to see what they'll add here. I'm never a fan of putting a rookie out there right away like they are with Callie Murray. But like you said, he's showing that he can handle it. He's doing a good job. Uh, The last five, they've won three of the last five games. So you, you can't, I mean, the results are there. So let's see what he does with another year and maybe some more weapons added to his uh to the team for for him to use we'll we'll see kenny drake uh hasn't proven anything yet so maybe a change of scenery will help him of course he was in miami so hard to prove
0: anything in miami true that true that so okay i i mentioned one i think dan quinn's in trouble anybody else in the nfc you think might be in trouble coaching wise Uh, i think ron rivera is in deep trouble um yeah he's been there (laughs) so long i mean at some point change of scenery might do everybody good you know
1: the best thing that happened to him was Cam Newton going down. So he had kind of an excuse to do, to, uh, to a record. Uh, they're four and three, which I guess isn't terrible, but I don't see them sustaining that, to be honest with you. And if they don't make at least a wild card, because I don't think they have a shot at catching New Orleans yet. Um, uh, if they don't make at least a wild card, I think Rivera might be
0: on the outs here, especially with Cam Newton probably not coming back. Good point. I think that that's an obvious one. I've been thinking Matt Patricia might be in trouble in Detroit. I don't know. They tend to be pretty patient. You brought that up offline, and you're right about that. But I think they're going to need to see some more proof that The defense can come along at some point. Maybe some things happen. They've had injuries. So there's that. Washington's already blown their coach up. So, and we both think, you know, Atlanta (laughs) may, may do theirs uh, as well. But everybody else I think is, is pretty well safe at this point. Um, let's, let's, the only other person I think that may be in the hot seat is if, if Jason
1: Garrett can't keep this Dallas Cowboy team, uh, on top in that division, he might finally get the boot.
0: He might. He he might or he might get bumped up the front office. I still maintain that he is so locked in with Jerry and Steven that they would promote him to like vice president of football talent relation activities <laughs> or something like that and then go hire, you know, Urban That's Meyer, true. Lincoln Riley or somebody like or Bob Stoop, somebody like that, you know. That could be very well. Yep. Yeah, it could be. So, okay. So we we've talked about the divisions where everything's going. Before we get into the the trade deadline stuff that went down and some of those stories, I want to hear from you. Like MVP race, like who are you, who are the names you're looking at? You think got a real shot at winning that?
1: Well, I would have said Drew Brees at the beginning, but he got injured. So I I, I mean, to me, the 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 players that are really carrying their team, uh, how can you not? Put Tom Brady in the race. Uh, Delvin Cook has got to be in the race. Oh, uh, geez. Um,
0: I think I else? think you got You got to put Aaron Rodgers in there. I think Russell Wilson yeah. is in this thing for Russell sure. Wilson's
1: definitely in this thing. Um, you uh,
0: know, you want to look on the defensive side. I mean, Nick Bosa is the leader of the defense in San Francisco. He keeps sacking people. He might get in it. Yeah, it's hard to
1: for me to pick defense because they just don't seem to get really. It, honest looks. (laughs) It's rare.
0: Uh, Look, I'm going to say this right now. If they continue winning like this and they make a real run at it, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in that mix. And so is Lamar Jackson uh, from Baltimore. If if they keep winning like that.
1: Yeah, well, well, I guess we'll have to see. I, I hope I would like to see defensive players get better, closer looks than they have in the past, but. Until it happens, I'm I mean, it's not,
0: it's like trying to get a defensive player to to win the Heisman Trophy in college. Too. Exactly. It doesn't happen a, much, they, you know? every once in a while. There's one in the race, but, right. but we all know
1: it's it's going to the running back or the quarterback,
0: right? Well, and most likely nowadays it is the quarterback. You're right about that. It, there's that guy at Ohio State, Chase Young, that's got a real chance. Alan and I were talking about him on the breakdown uh, here earlier, and he's got a chance, but it's an it's an outside one at best. I agree. So, well, okay, Brian. the The trade deadline came and went, kind of came and went with a whimper. We joked about that what you know big trades though that happened throughout the the process of the last few weeks teams you think made themselves better by you know making a move
1: well i i, I think san francisco did a great thing of picking up emmanuel sanders i think that's a, a brilliant move i think that the patriots uh, after all the debacle that has been wide receiver for them this year with uh antonio brown that fiasco with josh gordon that fiasco Picking up Mohamed Sanu from Atlanta, I think, was a brilliant move. And he even made some good plays this past week, his first weekend. So Mm -hmm. I think that was a great move as well. Um, Beyond that, I'm I'm trying to think if there was anything really earth-shattering I mean, I thought Leonard nothing.
0: Williams moving over, uh, you know, from one New York team to the other was was <laughs> a good move. I mean, for, for what? And I mean, for, you're well, going for them, from I mean, look, crap it, to crap. Well, I mean, look, you know, th- they were never going to pay him, so somebody will take him, and I—that's a team that's building and isn't going to be impatient with that, and mm-hmm. needs a good rock up front like that. I like that. I, I know you said he hadn't really done much, you know, yet, and I agree. And part of that is where he's been in Miami. I do think Kenyon Drake fits well in what Cliff Kingsbury does it as an offense. I mean, again, he's a three-down back. He can block. He can catch out of the backfield. He can run. He can line up a wide receiver. He can be a good friend to Kyler Murray, who, you know, has got two backs that are beat up right now. And so I like that move. It's not, you know, blockbuster, but it's a good move, and it'll it'll help them. I, I thought that was good. Uh, I feel bad for Aqib Talib getting shipped to Miami. I mean, he's on the IR, so he doesn't have to worry about playing. Maybe he can just enjoy the beach <laughs> for a few years or something. Um, I did think it was neat Jalen Ramsey, you know, I mean, that was a few weeks ago now. We yeah. kind of forgot about it. He was an immediate impact out in L.A., and that's been a good move, and, and a good move for Jacksonville, too, because they got that mouth out of the locker room.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, yeah, no, that's a great move for,
1: for the Rams, and hopefully that can help them shore up that defense and and all that. But, uh, you know, the Rams really need some offensive uh, offensive help as well. Uh, Cooper Cup is really carrying that team right now, I think. Big time. So I don't know he, if he can carry it forever, but Brendan Cooks has kind of went a while. now he got a concussion this last week, so that doesn't help him at all. But yeah, uh, uh, Todd Gurley is on one week and completely silent the next, so it's hard to trust him. And Goff is the same way. He's either on or he's off. Uh, the last few weeks he's been on. Yeah,
0: tell me about it. I had
1: him on my fantasy team, man. I've been living <laughs> that
0: life this year. So. Yeah,
1: the last couple of weeks he's been really on, and and which has been great if you have Cooper Cup on your fantasy team because he's been the uh, benefactor of that. But yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah I, I just beyond that there, there really isn't anything major that happened. I'm kind of surprised we didn't see any big moves. I know that there was talk that the jets were going to try and trade bell. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned that earlier. Um, but nothing came of that.
0: I mean the word, uh, the word on that is they just didn't get what they wanted back, and they you know, of course they they gave up a you know a ton of money to him, so they wanted a ton for him. And then everybody was like, "Look, I got to give you a ton of stuff, and yeah, I got to pay this guy." Don't think so. And well, yeah, and look, I mean, we we talked about our team. You know, Marcus Mariota has been benched for Ryan Tannehill. A lot of people thought he might be on the move, and the problem is, is he's in his fifth year, guaranteed twenty one million dollars, and nobody's going to take that cap hit. You know, not on a guy yeah. that's basically a backup quarterback at this point, so.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, so, I don't know. I think, uh, not, I mean, teams that are rocking didn't typically need anything else to help them. It's those teams that are really, should be better that aren't. And they made a few trades, but nothing earth-shattering there. Yeah. Um I do agree with you. I think Kenyon Drake, a change of scenery might be exactly what he needs to spark himself. And if it works, that's great. You're another building block towards the future because I don't think that David Johnson's gonna ever come back to where he was a few years ago before the major injuries. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, for we'll sure. sure. Yeah, well, we're at the halfway point, Brian, so we'll go another quarter and check in and see how we're going at the third quarter when we have you back on the gridiron breakdown next time. The playoff races will be shaping up pretty tight. We'll be able to talk more about that, and uh we'll see how the rest of the NFL season goes, man. But before we let you go, tell folks how they can follow your other podcast ventures.
1: Yeah, so uh, of course I'm uh, also part of the Film Strip podcast with UJ, and uh, we have a great team over there. It's been a lot of fun uh, getting that up and running again. So, real excited about that. Uh, that's over at uh, Film Strip Podcast. Uh, what is it? com. It is Filmstrippodcast.com. Yep. And uh, you can follow that on social media Filmstrip Pod. And then I'm also doing vinyl record stuff on my own. I do a lot of video blogs on YouTube. So if you just search for Brian's Vinyl Records, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, all that good stuff. And every once in a blue moon, I'll do a podcast as well. I'm going to try and start doing more of those um, as things kind of loosen up around here. But uh, overall, uh, videos on YouTube, I think that's I'm I do at least one a week. So that's the best place to find me.
0: Well, fantastic. Well, thanks again, Brian, for being on the Gridiron Breakdown here, and we'll check up with you as we get further into the NFL season.
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: Well, Alan, we're back from our NFL talk now, and it's time to do the lightning round. And, man, you talk about games that are hard to pick. We've got several this week that I think are going to give us a challenge. So I'll get us started here with the first one, the Oregon Ducks, also known as the Pac-12's probably last chance at a playoff option. Sorry, Utah. Going on the road to take on the USC Trojans. Man, there's something about Oregon's defense that I really like Allen. They play smart, they play fast, but there's something about their offense that I just don't get. They look, like, they don't trust their, you know, first round quarterback talent. And I don't know what that's all about. I do know this about USC's uh, defense. It's not really great, but I know their offense can really crank out the yards and the points at home. Give me the Trojans in the upset. I'm taking them to win this one 34-31 over the
2: Ducks. Jay, you stole my thunder. I mean, I think Oregon's been asking somebody to beat them. That they came back and pulled off a big win against Washington. They struggled last week. Um, and USC's just been a different team at home. They have the athleticism on the offense to challenge that defense. I like the Trojans at home, 27-24. to 24.
0: All right, we both take USC. You get this next with the team I just besmirched, Utah on the road to take
2: on the Washington Huskies. You know, Jay, Washington has one of the best home field advantages in the country. They've really struggled at home this year. Uh, They almost got the Ducks a few weeks ago, but, you know, Jacob Eason's been back and forth. Here's the thing. Utah isn't consistent enough on offense. I want that Husky defense isn't great. I think that home field advantage yeah. gives them enough. I'll take Washington 24 to 23 over Utah.
0: So you like the Huskies here. I'm going to tell you defense travels, my friends. You taught me that years ago. Give me Utah. You just can't score on them right now, man. That fluke game they lost to SC. I mean, SC's offense is unreal. Give me Utah in this one. Ugly though. 20 to 17 over the Washington Huskies. We come to the ACC for this next one remember that when this game used to mean something, Alan. Miami's taking on Florida State. It's running basically every gadget play they can come up with to try to generate offense uh, and and keep their you know terrible quarterback play and offensive line masked. Cam Akers, though is a stud player. I think Miami's defense is going to get worn out in this one. I don't think their offense is all that consistent. I know they just came off of a win, but I'll take Florida State at home. But it's going to be nasty. Nineteen to seventeen. You know, I
2: think you copied my notes here, Jay, but I'll say this. A funny stat about Miami. In all their conference games, when Miami's outgained their opponents, they've lost the game. When they've been outgained, they've won the game. Well, I think they're going to outgain FSU, but I think FSU wins 19 to 16. Maybe a wide ride in there. Let's keep it in the ACC, man. UVA on the road to take on the fighting Mac Browns in North Carolina. Well, you know, Jay, this is a really important game in the coastal division that, uh, Nobody really wants to win. UVA has been up and down. UNC has, you know, they were able to hole off and beat Duke at the end. They've looked good. They've looked bad. You know, I don't know that anybody wants to win this game. Originally, my prediction, Jay, was a 21-21 tie in eight overtimes, but I know I've got to pick a winner. So I'm going to take USC. I mean, UNC, 20-19. to So you like UNC in this one. I think Sam Howell
0: is really playing great football. But he's a freshman and going to make a freshman mistake. I think uh, Bronco Mendenhall's UVA Cavaliers go in and get it done in Chapel Hill. I'll take them 22-19 to 19 over UNC. Uh, we'll kind of stay with the, uh, the old uh, ACC here. Virginia Tech's on the road to take on a Notre Dame squad that got squashed by Michigan last week. I mean, what do you say about that one? I, what, how do you get back up from that if you're Notre Dame? Well, one, you hope it doesn't rain. Cause if it does, that's going to be a problem for you. Virginia Tech playing a little more consistent football offensively. They're not very good defensively. Eh, they're okay. I don't know, man. It's too hard of a road game on this one. I, as much as I'd like to pick the Hokies here, I got to go with the home team. I'll take Notre Dame in this one, 23 of Virginia Tech 16.
2: You know, I think Notre Dame is looking at their wounds. They were really dominated. You're right. Virginia Tech has improved, and that's why they're going to win this game, Jay, 24-20. to I'll take the Hokies on the road.
0: All right. You like Virginia Tech, so we're going to finish up the ACC swing here. Boston College on the road at Syracuse. Remember when these teams thought, hey, man, one of these might be the one that gets Clemson. Eh, not so much. Well, Jay,
2: Syracuse is Arkansas bad, and I'll leave it at that. I like Boston College thirty-one to
0: seventeen. I think I would agree with you, my friend. I think Syracuse is real bad. Sorry, Dino, but I, I got to go with the dudes and Steve Adazio here. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, I think we might get scores in this one. These defenses are not playing good. I'll take uh, Boston College thirty-one uh, twenty-four up in the Carrier Dome. Uh, let's go out to the Big Twelve, man. K State coming off that huge win, they got to get the emotions down because they got to go take on uh, Les Miles, who won a game in one of the most inexplicable ways. I I've ever seen last week over at Texas Tech, and it's totally less miles exactly.
2: Yeah, if you haven't seen how that that game ended, please go Google it. You will be befuddled. You know, Kleinman's a great coach. He's got his team playing well. They got that big emotional win. This is going to be a letdown game. K State's going to get less mild. I'll take Kansas thirty-one to twenty-seven. See, so you like those Jayhawks. I'm not so much. I don't think the
0: chalk is that good. I think it is a letdown, but I think K-State finds a way to run the ball and win that game. I'll take them in this one, 21-14 over Kansas. And then finally for our lightning round, The University of Alabama, Birmingham Blazers, your alma mater, Alan, on the road to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. A few weeks ago, this was the trendy pick. Like, yeah, UAB is going to whip Tennessee. But since then, what's happened? Well, UAB has continued winning. They're, They're looking good. They're doing what they're supposed to do. But they're against lesser competition. Let's just face it. Tennessee, on the other hand has figured out some things. They've kind of had a little bit of a gut check. And you know what? They've come out and played pretty good afterward. I like the volunteers here, Alan. I mean, five weeks ago, I would have told you something different. But now going into
2: week 10, give me Tennessee here, twenty-seven twenty-four. You know, you and I are thinking alike. Three weeks ago, I would have picked UAB. And since they're my alma mater, I really do want to pick them. The Tennessee's showing signs of life. They absolutely just destroyed South Carolina. And listen to this, Jay. Tennessee just has to win three of their last four against UAV, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky to make a bowl. That's pretty impressive for where they started. I'll take Tennessee 35-17. to
0: Totally agree. Well, Alan, it is time once again for you to get the engine lit up and buzz the tower. It's time for the Danger Zone Pick of the Week.
2: Well, Jay, we're going to take you out to the desert where you should never trust Kevin Sumlin. And Oregon State is going to pick up their third conference road win of the year. Jake Lutton will outduel the human turnover machine. That is Khalil Tate in the desert. I like Oregon State 45 to 41.
0: You like Oregon State over. Arizona. Well, all right. I like that pick. Well, Alan, there's some fun games for week 10. When we come back next week for week 11, man, we're going to have some real big ones. Two undefeated top 10 matchups going to feature next week
2: and a bunch of other games all here on the Gridiron Breakdown. Going to be a lot of fun. It it really is. I mean, we have maybe two of the biggest games so far this year. Um, We may have a few special guests with us. Uh, It's going to be fun. You know, We still have what, Uh, 11 days to talk about Alabama LSU. (laughs) Yep, yep, it's coming around. Well, it's going to be an interesting week next week. I look forward to getting figuring out these conference races. Maybe somebody will decide they want to win the Coastal by then.
0: I, I don't think so. I think we'll know that by the end of the season, but I like how you're working there, and it's going to be fun. So, again, folks, big show this week. We've done Week 10 college football. Checked in with Brian at the midpoint for the NFL. Thanks so much for joining us on the Gridiron Breakdown show. If you like the show, please leave us a positive review wherever you find the show. And if you're looking for the podcast link, it's anchor.fm slash gridironbreakdown or or look for the show on Facebook, The Gridiron Breakdown. We appreciate your support. Until next time, for Alan, I'm Jay. You've been listening to The Gridiron Breakdown. Thank you for listening to The Gridiron Breakdown. The Gridiron Breakdown theme is "Sports Time Tonight" by Phil Girard, Reed Hayes, and Scott P. Share. Tune in next week for more analysis and opinion from our hosts. I haven't seeing anybody scared out there. I'm saying fear. Now you all scared to ask another question?